We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Radio brought to you by the Blue Wire Network. I don't think we have any ads, so there's no other brought to you by's in this opening statement. We're back and better than ever. Probably not better than ever. We're back though. Um, joined by my lovely co-host, the man that's been with me for about ten years now, Dan Sanyo. Jesus, now I feel even older than I already did. <laughs> but, but before we started, I I I text Nathan because we were just getting ready to go, and I said. I took a morning nap and I'm going to be in the worst mood possible. My whole day is ruined. Uh, any dads out there, any anyone over the age of, you know, Nathan's like 16. Uh, if you've ever taken a morning nap and then had to do something immediately following the morning nap, it's just it's chalked. So this episode is going to be really good talking about my favorite subject, which helps. And uh, at least I do get to look at your pretty face this whole time. <laughs> Yep, we have our annual tight end episode. We Dan, I'm pretty sure this might this might be our longest like gap between episodes in our history. I think we've had three or four weeks now at least. Um, so definitely we're gonna have to shake off the the rust a little bit, and we're gonna do, be doing that because we. The reason why we didn't have a show for three weeks not because of our schedules, not because I'm dealing with all sorts of work stuff and other stuff, and you're dealing with work stuff and other stuff, children and all those fun things. Uh, but also because we knew that this was a tight end episode. So we were trying to put this off <laughs> as long as humanly possible. Apparently June 29th is that date for the recording of the tight end episode. Hopefully it's in your, in your ear holes on June 30th, July 1st. So tight end episode, we're going to go through our, our basic topics we go through every year and break down, you know, kind of some tiers and things like that. So first off, the first question is the question we ask every single year. And it hasn't really changed much over the last few years, but I think that there is definitely a change now, depending on who you talk to. Who's number one? I think that there's really only two options here, and you can dispute if there's a third or a fourth. It's really only between Andrews and Pitts, and I know you aren't the biggest Pitts fan, but Pitts still has that top five draft capital, still 
has been inhibited by poor quarterback play. Some may say that poor quarterback play is going to continue into 2023. So he's going to continue to have that excuse and also just be, have that inhibition of not being able to break out. Um, but Pitts, Andrews, Andrews, Pitts, is there anybody else? Is Andrews alone? Where are you at on the Andrews Pitts debate? I think I'm honestly at a stage where it could be like four different people. And we can start with with Pitts. You know, the it has the quarterback game, has the quarterback room improved? Is it is it better or worse, you know, with Ritter than it was with Mariota? And I, I see so many posts and so many articles and, and, and other podcasts talking about what, how significant of an upgrade Ritter is to Mariota and the down the down the field throwing. And, and we, we got four games and like 100 attempts out of Des Ritter. And we're making claims of it's a significant upgrade or it's it's definitely better here than it is there. And Marcus Mariota was just a kind of a safe running quarterback he could make a lot of the throws not necessarily down the field and i get that some people want deserter to be that uh i had hope for ritter a little bit i think he i think <laughs> best case scenario right now is he's marcus Mariota. i i don't know that we can necessarily say it's going to be a significant increase in any area of the game um i i don't think he looked like Mariota last year in those four or five games that he played um he, he looked like a rookie he looked like a rookie that had a long way to go to be a starting nfl quarterback um so the the quarterback situation dating all the way back to pre matt ryan leaving atlanta has been my issue with well then calvin ridley but also kyle pitts during this whole time because we knew it was a bad transition we knew they weren't going to be in a spot to be able to get a good quarterback. And I, I just I think this is one more year of unfortunate mediocrity and leading them to not getting a, a, a high end quarterback pick. So I, I was always I was always a fan of Pitts's ability. I, I, I if you recall, I was totally cool with him going one oh one, whether it was him, whether it was Chase, whether it was Najee. I, I didn't I didn't care. I, I was cool. Any of the one on ones. As second they went to Atlanta, he became the clear three. I don't think he's in the conversation for tight end one because of his situation. Now, if they trade him, which they won't, if they let him walk, which they won't, or if they could sign or trade for a better quarterback, which they won't, this all changes. This is entirely based on the quarterback play and it was from the beginning it always was tight ends need a quarterback unfortunately the all the good ones have them <laughs> it's just the unfortunate truth tight ends need a quarterback so this this to me is a, a three-man race and kyle pitts isn't running he fell down out of the out of the chute so uh, before we dive back into uh some numbers here who would be the third there? Is it Kelsey still? Is there uh, one of the other you know younger guys who's the three in the three horse race? For me, it's Hawkinson, Andrews, Kelsey. Uh, Kelsey at the end of that. Uh, I mean, you got to remember, TJ Hawkinson's only twenty five years old. People people put Mark Andrews into this you know number one spot or number two spot. Mark Andrews twenty seven. Now, yes, tight ends seem to live forever when they're good. But we get an extra two years out of TJ Hawkinson, and he's arguably in a better situation now when this Minnesota offense is 
moving out of the Dalvin Cook run heavy, run first, run second, run third. Obviously, they've been transitioning out of that as they grab Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. Uh, obviously, leaving town, they bring in Jordan Addison. But TJ Hawkinson has been the number two option there What since he's been here. So I, I, for me, Hawkinson can do anything, if not more, than what Mark Andrews is doing or can do. I think Baltimore making an emphasis on improving the wide receiver room or at least bringing in more receivers. You now have OBJ. You now have Zay Flowers. You hope Rashad Bateman's healthy. Uh, that team is entirely different than it was, whereas you essentially swapped Addison and Thielen because that's, a, to me, a kind of a one-for-one. One. And Addison's going to take a while to pick up steam. So it's Jefferson and it's Hawkinson in a pass-first offense that we know Hawkinson thrives in. So... Yeah, that, that would be definitely the biggest pro for Hawkinson in, in a comparison between Hawkinson, Pitts, and Andrews is that the pass volume is going to be there. They cut Dalvin Cook. Alexander Madison is, is fine, but he's not going to be like an 18 to 20 carry type guy. They don't really have anything behind Alexander Madison. So looking at our distribution, our, our projection based on you know previous year stats, based on current ADP, all these different things, the most likely outcomes in terms of points per game for Mark Andrews is 11 is heavily favored to be his most likely points per game. His highest is 21, and his other two most likely are 14 and 15. Uh, so he definitely has a higher floor in, in looking at his range of outcomes in comparison to Pitts. So Pitts, his most likely outcomes are nine, se- uh, eight, or no, nine, seven, and six. So definitely that's a much lower, you know, base of those are his three most likely outcomes are nine, seven, and six, whereas Andrews, his most likely outcomes are 11, 13, and 14. So you definitely have a a higher floor there for Mark Andrews. And that's just because he's had more statistical success so far in his career. Now, DJ Hopkinson, his is actually looking eerily similar, maybe with slightly less upside um, to Mark Andrews with maybe a little bit less proven. His his three most likely outcomes are 11, 13, and 14. So Um, basically the same. Yeah. So the, the, the two differences, but the, the difference between the three are Andrews has the highest ceiling, Pitts has the lowest floor, and then Hawkinson has the highest like median outcomes. My, my argument against Andrews, and I love Andrews. We've, we've been on, I've been on the Andrews train, I mean, since he, he came into the league. Uh, 2021 for me was an outlier year. I know we want to chase that. I know we want the 150 targets. I know we want the 1,300 yards, and I know we want the nine or 10 touchdowns, whatever that was. That's an outlier year. We're, we're not getting that anymore. Uh, I think the 2019 Mark Andrews, um, the on pace for 2020 Andrews and the 2022 Andrews, all of which are very consistent minus the uh, the, the touchdown volume is kind of, you know, it wavers a little bit. But we're, we're probably realistically looking at about 70, 70 catches, 850 yards, five to eight touchdowns, depending on what Lamar Jackson you get, possibly, you know, 10 plus. But uh, again, this is this is a, a, a different offense. It continues to change, it seems. And I, I love Mark Andrews. I still think he is going to be up there with those guys. Now, short term, he's not outscoring Travis Kelsey. Um, that that to me is is pretty blatantly obvious. Now, Kelsey is approaching that fall off age where we saw, you know, Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates, Jason Witten. Uh, he's only got a couple of years before he's there because you got to remember he started later. 
than these guys started. Uh, Travis Kelsey didn't really get uh, an NFL snap in until he was what twenty five. Yeah, he came, he, he yeah, came he in at twenty four, missed his rookie season, and then yeah, played it at twenty five essentially. So yeah, the, the yes, problem with projecting the end of Travis Kelsey is we have we literally have never and may never see a tight end like him again. Plus the fact that he has been hitched to the wagon of the greatest quarterback to ever live, Patrick Mahomes. Sure, so, but you can also do say the same thing about Antonio Gates, who came in with Drew Brees, then had Philip Rivers, and, and you know had the longevity of all of that. And he played for 17 years, but he was 20 when he came into the league, five sure. years younger than Travis Kelsey. But he, he wasn't putting up tight end one overall numbers at 33. Uh, I mean, he was pretty darn good. Let me let me go back and see exactly yeah. what we had here. So uh, just to, to wrap up the title and conversation, then we'll, we'll get some more Kelsey talk in and, and when, when he can potentially end or, you know, what the, the thought process is on him. Um, I think that Pitts is the move if you aren't like a top two or three seed in your league as number one tight end right now. Um, if you are, if you are a top two to three seed, I think I can see you putting Andrews. I can see you taking a look at Hawkinson, um, but probably more so Andrews. Cause I think that he has the higher, um, floor for the 2023 season with Lamar Jackson. Hopefully he's able to stay healthy. That's really my take on number one is Andrews is number one. If you're a uh, top two or three seed Pitts is number one, if you're anywhere else. For reference, Antonio Gates, age 34 season, he went for 70 catches, 800 yards and a dozen touchdowns. Sure. That's decent. <laughs> <laughs> it started to slowly fall off after that. Um, yeah. Pitts for me, I, I think, you know, yes, we saw him way, way high. He was going in first round of startups and, and all of this crazy stuff. I still think the only value change for him is a decrease in value. Most people still have him as tight end one. I don't think he's tight end one. Again, unless we have a change of scenery or a major quarterback upgrade, he isn't and won't be tight end one. It's just the unfortunate reality of it. I get that he's young and I get that things can change. He's going to be a second contract tight end, and hopefully it's not with Atlanta. Um, you know, Andrews Hawkinson, I think, is a toss-up. I think short-term, if you're playing in this two- to three-year window, it's Travis Kelsey all day, every day. You're pretty much guaranteed, a, you know, 1,000 to 1,200 yards, 10 touchdowns, uh, and, and all the catches you could possibly want. He's going to continue to outscore everybody as long as he can stay healthy. He is 33. So that is probably your window. You probably have two to three. And I get I get it. We've never seen anyone quite like this. But that number for all of the greats, uh, aside from Gronk, who retired a little early, is very consistent between, you know, 35 and 37. So two years, four years, he plays pretty hard as well. But he's stayed really, really healthy and having Mahomes get him the ball in places that he's not going to get killed all game. Every game has helped a lot as well. Yeah. And so looking at Kelsey, I, I think that really you're looking at a one to two window. I think trying to think of a 36 year old tight end producing is probably, you know, beyond the wishes. Um, even like does a 36 year old Travis Kelsey want to still play football? Like, you know, he, he has other ventures. He has a podcast, all the things, yada, yada. Like there, there are things beyond football for Travis Kelsey. Um, so I honestly, I'd be surprised to see him playing at the age of 36. Um, so looking at a one to two year window for him, the, th the thing that's difficult for me in terms of talking Kelsey, I'm never going to have Travis Kelsey on my roster. 
I, I just I just don't have those types of, especially at the tight end position, I don't have those types of assets. And like typically with a Travis Kelsey type player, I'm like, just hold him. You're not going to get your values worth. I think that you can still sell Kelsey and get Hawkinson plus. You can still help sell Kelsey and get Kittle plus. And I'm doing that every single time. Like as long as the plus is something decent, it's like, okay, like I'll, I'll take the two or three point, you know, PPR less per game. And I'll take like a, you know, 109 type value on top of it or something like that. Like you can definitely still sell Kelsey. He's the rare, he's like, you know, past the age cliff or whatever, but his value is not, you know, accentuating that. Yeah. Age cliff for tight ends is a little bit different. I think, Uh, I think that cliff doesn't even really start until post 30, uh, mostly because that's when we see a lot of tight end production is post 30, uh, that 30 to 33 age where, you know, he's at currently, we've seen some of his best seasons. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm in that, you know, two ish window with Kelsey as well. Uh, Again, he, he doesn't, he doesn't have as many years on everybody, but he's the same age as they were when they started to slow down. Um, So having Mahomes is obviously a huge, huge thing. Having zero people in that wide receiver room is a huge, huge thing. Um, it, it is going to be Kelsey short term as as your tight end one for the next two years. I think is pretty much locked. I do think that guys like Andrews, guys like Hawkinson, if Kittle can stay on the field uh, and that offense does what it's supposed to do, I think he can make a run at the top. I think we need a huge leap in quarterback play for Kyle Pitts to sniff even getting into that top three. Um, but yeah, Kel- Kelsey here, I think his reign is slowly ending. I think there's a non-zero chance that if they win the Super Bowl again this year, that he could ride off into the sunset. Okay, one more Kelsey thing that we did have a question from a follower at here for cards. He asked us about uh, how long he's going to hold the spot, which we predictions have answered there. Is his next question, which isn't really a dynasty question, but he said, "Will we ever have another fantasy tight end as dominant as Kelsey for so long?" My my initial answer is no, unless Pat Mahomes gets another great tight end. <laughs> that like Pat Mahomes, like, you know, maybe talking about like Kincaid, if like Kincaid like develops crazy into, and then has Josh Allen pair with him. Like, I think it's going to take a elite, like uh, what's it called? Generational type quarterback uh, and paired with very minimal wide receivers. Like, yes, uh, Patrick Mahomes has had Tyree kill for most of Kelsey's reign, but there really hasn't been anything else. It's been one wide receiver. And then the last couple of years has been zero wide receivers. Well, and Kelsey was dominant. You know, the, the touchdown numbers weren't the same, but Kelsey's been as dominant as he was with Mahomes as he was without Mahomes. Obviously, the offense looks different because of the places that Mahomes can put the football. But Kelsey's reign at, at tight end will never be replicated, at least in my opinion. He, he's played for, what, 10 years? Uh, well, technically nine years because the first one doesn't even count. Over that time, he's missed like two games three games, maybe, aside from his rookie season. And we're looking at 10,000-plus yards, 69 touchdowns, hashtag nice. Uh, you know, Gronk was the touchdown machine. He, he he did it for a good amount of time. He was never, at any point, doing what Travis Kelsey is doing as an all-around tight end. Gronk was a better blocker, uh, I, I think. Um, probably, uh, arguably, a a stronger red zone threat just because of his go up and get it mentality. Whereas Travis Kelsey plays, I mean, he's definitely fluid, but he plays a little bit more like a bulldog where he's just kind of getting in there, you know, like kind of how George Kittle is as well. Um, I just, I I don't see a way where we're going to get 
you know, seven or eight straight thousand plus yard seasons out of another tight end, uh, aside from maybe the, the new generation move tight ends where they're labeled as such. And they're just playing wide receiver, which I, Travis Kelsey is essentially their wide receiver, but he still does a lot of blocking. He plays tight end very, very well. Yeah, and to wrap up the Kelsey talk, looking at the range of outcomes, that make sure you get your road to the subscription. We'll give you a discount later in the show. Uh, his third most likely outcome is 18 PPR points. <laughs> that's his third most likely outcome. That That's probably like a top five. I mean, I'd assume that would be top five, maybe top three fantasy season of all time. And it's the, the third most likely outcome for his range of outcomes. I mean, when you unfair. When you're the goat, man, it just it doesn't matter. That's that's the expectation. You, you if you were to do something like this with Wayne Gretzky, you know, his his outcomes would be top four scoring seasons of all time in hockey. MJ, LeBron, you you could do all the projections with the greats. And and you know, it doesn't. It seems weird saying like a tight end is is goat, but I, I mean. Who are we going to really argue Antonio Gates at this point? Yeah, he did it for a little bit longer, but I don't necessarily think the peak is anywhere close. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, let's go over some of the top few tiers of the tight end position. Uh, so we talked, to, uh, we seem like we disagree a little, a little bit on our tight end one tiers. Um, so through ADP, and I agree with ADP, um, that, and this is through our Rotoviz Dynasty ADP, um, the top tier would actually might look like, in terms of ADP, kind of more so Pitts alone by himself. But if you want to stretch it a little bit, the top tier would be four players via Rotoviz Triflex ADP. You have Pitts at 24, Andrews 31, Kelsey 33, and Hawkinson 41. And the next pick isn't for 22 picks later. So do you – obviously you don't agree with Pitts at number one. But can you see this as being the, the top four Pitts, Andrews, Kelsey, Hawkinson? Uh, do you think Pitts clearly doesn't belong among those three? What are your thoughts on that initial tier? Well, I think because of of the the prospect that Kyle Pitts was, he had a, you know, had a, a strong rookie campaign. Um, and he's only 22. So he obviously belongs in the group, 
I just don't see a world where you can call him number one because we're changing and we're going to be doing it until his rookie contract expires. Um, the free points, if you're getting them at two, three, and four, would be Andrews, Hawkins, and Kelsey. That is free points for at minimum two to three years for all three of them. Um, uh, you know, Kittle, I, I think, is right on that outside looking in just because of his inability to stay healthy when he's on the field. He's an absolute monster. He, he definitely belongs in the conversation. After that, I think, is where it gets fully cloudy and we become, well, here's the tight end landscape and Dan- dynasty. Who knows? Yeah, and I do. And so Kittle goes 22 picks later, pick 63. I do think that Kittle is the best value of the top yeah. six tight ends. Uh, because I think that he has a similar range of outcomes in terms of non. I'm talking about the, not talking about the range of outcomes app, but talking about just what I see as his range of outcomes for the season. I think he has a similar range of outcomes as Andrews, Kelsey, Hawkinson, and he probably has a higher range of outcomes than, than Kyle Pitts. Because even though we don't know the 49ers quarterback, we know that the 49ers quarterback is better than than Desmond Ritter. Like even if it's Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold with Kyle Shanahan better than Desmond Ritter. Brock Purdy has shown some sort of competence. It doesn't look like there's any, sh- and that's, that's something we'll talk about, you know, next week or on a future show. No, like there's any shot that tra- Trey Lance starts this year, which is insane. Um, but it, it's certainly something that we're, that we're, we've gotten to that point. Yeah. I mean, and Kittle again, on field, he's, he's probably the second best tight end in the NFL scoring is such in fantasy looking is such on field. Uh, you know, he, he played 15 games last year, averaged 13 and a half points per game. Uh, you know, Hawkinson, Andrews right on his heels, about a half a point behind Dallas Goddard approaching that he only played 12 games. So that that's you know, that's kind of the, the gap to Goddard, I think, as well as he also has struggled to stay on the field, stay healthy. But when he is, he produces. Um, yeah, I, I think I think looking at this top five, I, I think, like you said, Kittle is, I think, inarguably the best value here because of how much later he is going than than the first four but I, I do think that group is accurate as your five uh even though it sounds like some folks may disagree at the top five yeah and then while we talk about the top five we did have a question from one of our listeners ryan m hurley uh he did say uh, he said a certain website uh has uh Dalton kincaid listed as the top a top five tight end in some sort of trade calculator or adp or some sort of something uh, we're not going to give any ads to our competitors here. Um, <laughs> is is top five for Dalton Kincaid outlandish? Like I said, like if if we're going to see a Kelsey in the game today, I think it's Kincaid. Um, but what do you think of him being list ranked as top five right now? I mean, I just don't know. I, I get it. You know, the this Josh Allen's offense. Stefan Diggs might be gone at this point. They don't have a reliable number two. And Dawson Knox has, has done nothing but produce. And we know that Kincaid is, you know, ar- arguably better coming into the situation than, than Knox was. So the, the one thing I struggle with isn't necessarily the situation because it's the same reason that I, I fully knock Kyle Pitts and I would have him closer to Kincaid then I would have Kincaid to the top or the top five probably uh, is just the other players. I, I don't see a world where you could, you could take him over Andrews, Pitts, Kelsey, Hawkinson, Kittle. Uh, you know, he and Pratt, Pat Fryermuth are 
you could pick a name out of a hat and I wouldn't be disappointed. I, I think Dallas Goddard is probably in that same grouping. Now, to say out five is outlandish because it's only a one-spot difference, I don't think that's necessary. What I think is that there's just a really sharp cutoff at the top five actual talents and actual upsides at tight end. And yes, Travis Kelsey is 33. He's significantly older than the rest of this landscape, even looking as far down as to like Darren Waller, who is only 30 years old. The the age gap is what would put Kincaid in there. The issue is, is the guys he's battling with, like Pat Fryermuth, is 24. Mark Andrews, 27. TJ Hawkinson, 25. Goddard, 28. Kittle, 29. I I wouldn't have Kincaid in there. I'm not going to shun somebody for putting him there. I just I find it difficult to put him ahead of Kittle, who is what would be kind of that that spot. You know, we do have that big gap. It would make sense to slide him in there if you have that much faith. I just don't see a world where he's better than George Kittle. Yeah, I, I think that the the key to ranking Don Kincaid at tight end five is understanding you're not going to get value on that for two to three years. Like, he's not going to outscore uh, George Kittle for three, four, maybe even five years. He's not going to outscore, you know, Kelsey for one to two years. Like, um, obviously, he's probably not going to outscore Kelsey until Kelsey retires, basically. Um, yeah. But I think that the draft capital plus the quarterback pairing – are the reason for the upside. And I don't necessarily hate it, but I just wouldn't go there yet because I think the, the short-term floor is basically zero. And I'm not trying to invest short-term floor zero at the time of position, especially when we have so many that are producing right now. Like if, right. Like, this was, if this was three or four years ago when like Pitts was coming in or other people were coming in, like you can see putting them immediately in the top five. But there's too many good tight ends right now to put Dalton Kincaid in the top five. Y- yeah, and and... I mean, the the landscape has definitely changed. The way the position produces has definitely changed. Um, it's it, it to me, it'd be buying at ceiling. Uh, you know, I I get you know the draft the draft capital, the upside with Josh Allen, the offense. I get it. He, he could. I, I just feel like five. You're, you're buying at ceiling, and you have no room to really gain, especially considering the top end of tight end right now. Everybody but Travis Kelsey is going to be around for another minimum five years. And I get Kincaid should outlast that. But paying that price now to not reap any benefits until 2028, uh, that that to me just doesn't that doesn't seem plausible. OK, so we're going to put 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 the rookies to the side in this conversation for now. I'm going to say some names and then you can say if, if Fryermuth is clearly above them and if then we and not, if, if so, we can then move to the next portion. So we have Fryermuth, Waller, Dulcich, Njoku, Ingram, Okonkwo. Is Fryermuth clearly above that entire group? The only one he's not clearly above for me is Njoku. I think, I think he's in that group. Okay. So the, let's say Fryermuth is above all those guys. So then, and this, I'm answering the question because you already just answered it. But when you're looking at the group of Waller, Dulcich, Njoku, Ingram, Okonkwo, is there, so is is Njoku your favorite of that bunch? Are you worried about a floor for Njoku? Is there a, a ceiling play, a floor play? Like, what what is your general consensus of the group of we're looking at um, Waller, Dulcich, Njoku, Ingram, Okonkwo? So I, I'm not overly faithful in what Greg Dulcich could be. Um, that that one to me is still strange. I think Evan Engram is going to continue to be undervalued 
playing with a top five quarterback in the NFL and Trevor Lawrence. Yes, they bring in Calvin Ridley. I get it. But safety valves are important at tight end. And Evan Ingram has been that in his short short stay with Jacksonville. Um, I think Chig, man, Chig could be that guy. I think he, he of all of these guys could be somebody that moves into your top eight uh, pretty quickly because not only is Tennessee bad, they don't have wide receivers, and he could just come out and, and dominate quick. He looked the part last year. Um, that, that one, to me, could be your biggest riser. I think Njoku still gets hate from, from early Njoku where he was just wildly inconsistent. Um, if Deshaun Watson is, is 50% of what Deshaun Watson used to be, Njoku's going to thrive. Yeah, my, my take on this tier is Ingram is by far my favorite floor slash short-term play, and he has the potential to be more of a long-term play. Like it, at Brenton Strange might have just been a, a blocking tight end play, which would make Evan Ingram still you know a long-term play with the Jaguars possibly. And I think he has the best shot at, at being a top five, top six tight end in 2023 with Trevor Lawrence at the helm. Not a ton of wide receiver competition. Obviously, you have Calvin Ridley. Um, but yeah, Ingram is definitely my like win now type buy that's not going to be too expensive of this group. He's going um, at pick, where are we at? Evan Ingram. Uh, 123, tight end 13 overall. Njoku, I think, has the, the most exciting ceiling. Like Njoku, there's still something with that athletic profile, with that draft capital, with Deshaun Watson, all that paired together has the ability to be a top three tight end. I think that we've seen enough from Njoku that we're probably not going to get that, but I think the ceiling is definitely very much there for Njoku. I think Okonkwo, Waller, and Dulcich are all pretty much overvalued over the, some of the guys that are going lower lower than them, um, and I don't see them having similar ceilings or floors to, to the guys we just talked about. So I think Waller, Dulcich, and Okonkwo are the, the cells in this tier. Um, next, let's talk about the second tier of tight ends. So we talked about Dalton Kincaid. Do you have a favorite of that second tier of tight ends between uh, – we have Matt Laporta, Lions, Michael Mayer, Raiders, and Luke Musgrave, Packers. Well, I think Michael Mayer immediately to me because if uh, I mean he was probably tight end one in the class and, and still may be I get the Kincaid love, uh, but as far as the actual player goes, Mayer to me was was that guy, and going into a spot where we just saw Darren Waller doing very very well. Obviously things changed, no more Carr. Uh, now you have Garoppolo who may not even be the quarterback for very long. Who knows? Could end up being Trey Lance. I think I think Mayer because of the system is short term. You know I think he has the highest floor of of these guys. I think Laporta has a chance to move up high as well. And I think Musgrave, if he can find that connection with Jordan Love, that that tight end connection that they haven't had for I mean yeah there was like that one Robert Tanyan year, but really since Jermichael Finley, uh, that just hasn't really been a thing in Green Bay. And and now they've kind of started over. You have Christian Watson. Uh, Musgrave's got a chance to be to be important and, and, and to have a big role here, but I do think that Mayer is probably um, the the safest and and somebody that I can see producing for a while. Obviously, Vegas has to figure out the quarterback position, but I think if you're going for safest, it's Mayer. I think if you're going for ceiling, it's Laporta. Yeah, my my, my opinion here for short term, I think that if you're looking for points in 2023, I think Laporta is your move. Jameson Williams is suspended for, you know, six games, and they have a Monroe St. Brown. He's eventually not going to get 18 targets a game. Um, 
and they, you know, spent early draft capital, second round pick on Sam Laporta. And he just seems like the type of guy that's like not going to end up worrying about blocking in that Lions offense. And he's, <laughs> and he's, he's going to be getting plenty of, of hey, passwords. Dan Campbell makes everybody block. So you best believe he's going to be blocking. Uh, Michael Mayer, I think, is is the most attractive long term piece. I think it might take him two or three years to become more fantasy relevant, you know, even startable. Um, I don't think that Michael Mayer will be startable in this Raiders offense in 2023 at all, even unless you're in like a two tight end, like, you know, 14 team league or something crazy. Who, like else, that. Is getting, who else is getting the ball there, though? I I don't know, but exactly. <laughs> it, but like who? Like Josh, Josh Jacobs. Jacobs can't run the ball 400 times. He'll die. <laughs> yes. Yeah, um, and then Musgrave. Musgrave's an interesting one. Uh, probably went a little bit higher than some of the fantasy people thought. Um, the Packers' offense is very volatile. They have Luke Musgrave, they have J- uh, Jaden Reed, and they have Jordan Love. The, this offense is going to go boom or bust at the the rate of those guys and Christian Watson. Um, but Musgrave is a, a guy who I have on several teams, but not a guy who I'm like pounding the table like I need to have. I'm I'd much rather have, like there. This is the tier: Laporta, Mayor, Musgrave. But if I could give like Musgrave in a third for Mayor or Laporta, I would do it. Well, and let's not forget that the Packers doubled down and also got Tucker Craft one round later. So yeah. yes, they're different players, but you don't go tight end, tight end, and and feel good. About I mean, but Dan, right. we've seen so many times the teams went tight end, tight end, and the 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 lesser tight end was also very productive. Aaron Hernandez and. Um, uh, Whoa, Mark, hey, let's not Mark forget, Andrews. Let's not forget this team not that long ago also drafted Josiah Degara in the second round or whatever that was. Yeah, that he's was really good. So Josiah Degara might not have been a good value, but no, you know what is good value? <laughs> you know what is a good value? Rotoviz. It the season's coming up. Everyone's doing their best balls. Everyone's doing all those fun things. Maybe we'll have a best ball sponsor at some point. Wink, wink. Hunt, uh, you know that'd be nice. Um, but. For now, this sponsor is Rotoviz. RV Radio 2023 gets you content, all of our access content and tools. We have the range of outcomes app. We have Dynasty ADP. We have everything you could need as a Dynasty player, as a redraft player, as a, a, a what's it called? A best, uh, no, best DFS. Friend? I can't talk today. DFS, best ball, IDP, all those fun things. You can get them with your Rotoviz pass, RV Radio 2023. And most of all, it's sports podcast. So if you like listening to us, uh, you know, once a month, uh, you know, <laughs> thanks for casting now once a month podcast. Uh, not, no, really. Hopefully, you'll you'll hear us next week. Use promo code RV Radio twenty twenty three, and it will support the podcast, and you'll get access to all the content and tools. Great. All right, so now we're gonna go a little bit dumpster diving, Dan. Dumpster diving, Dan. Did anyone ever call you that in, in school? Dumpster diving, Dan. Dan um, uh, the dancer dive. Dancer dive. Okay. Um, so now let's, let's go deep. We're going to go deep into the position of tight end. If we're stop looking to go deep, I, 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 just, me, I, I can't off. stop talking. Um, we're looking at, let's go tight end 20 or later. Who are your picks for guys that you're looking for points in 2023? It's interesting that you decided to go tight end 20 specifically and later knowing that the Triflex oh, ADP oh, <laughs> has... Tight end one in my heart, tight end 11 or 12 overall, somehow going tight end 20. Herb Smith, only 24 years old, going into who easily the best situation he could have gone into. Yes, the Bengals have Jamar Chase. Yes, they have T. Higgins and whatever skeleton remains 
of Tyler Boyd still exist. Irv Smith is walking into a spot where we don't know if Joe Mixon's going to be there. I would assume he is, but this is a high-flying offense. They're going to score points. Irv Smith has a chance to go in, grab himself 60, 70, 80 targets, turn those, you know, I mean, he'll, he'll, he should be high-efficient throw, high-efficient, you know, attempts. So, uh, the, you know, him catching 40, 50, 60 balls, I don't think is unreasonable. Um because of how that offense is just going to be a well-oiled machine and you know you're you're a Tyler Boyd injury away or or them them slowing off of Tyler Boyd away from him just being the third option uh yes that could very well still be Joe Mixon and I would anticipate it being that if he is back Samaj P Ryan for some reason still is a thing but Irv Smith with Joe Burrow in that space if he's healthy if he's got his head screwed onto his shoulders, he's got the chance to move up into that Njoku, Engram, uh, into that grouping, I, I think. I think Chig is probably up there with those guys as well, and I don't see a reason why Irv can't also be there. I mean, he was he was highly sought after, highly drafted, and just hasn't really been been able to do all of the things we were hoping and expecting out of him because he hasn't been on the field. Yeah, the the only concern with Irv Smith is the health and what that would cause to his floor. Is he going to come back back and better than ever? His his distributions are not pretty. Um, his most likely outcomes are four and five PPR points per game, but he does have a nine PPR points per game on as his third most likely outcome on the range of outcomes app. Um, obviously, some of the health impacts how that gets spit out into the, the range of outcomes app as well. Um, but I think that you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying he's overvalued tight end 20 because he's not. He, that's where he pretty much belongs. But in terms of like investing a rush spot, in terms of investing draft capital, uh, that would be my main concern is that the floor is, is zero. Well, uh, there's somebody a little further down the list, and, and I think we're probably looking at the same name. Uh, if you go, I don't know, maybe turn the page to, you know, the, the 21 to 40 range. And we can say it together. Uh, he changed teams last year, but one, two, three. Fant? Noah Fant. That's yeah. right. Noah Fant, for some, whatever reason, I don't know I don't know who's drafting. It's probably the people listening because we talk about tight ends so much, I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Noah Fant going anywhere outside of the top 20 is absurd. He's what, 26, 27? Uh, you know, just only has put up points in his career when he's been on the field. Uh, did it again last year, and yet... Here we are. Would you rather have Noah Fant or Tucker Craft? Would you rather have Noah Fant or Darnell Washington? Uh, you know, I don't. I don't get a lot of of the hate that Noah Fant has received. He's going to score points. He's going to be on the field. He's going to score points. Yes, I get it. They breaks. They they bring in JSN. You still have DK Metcalf. Tyler Lockett is on his last leg. Someone's got to be the the safety valve in that offense for Geno Smith and with or without JSN it was going to be Noah Fant yeah and I, I will say from a dynasty perspective I think that the, the drafting of JSN probably means Fant is gone in 2024 like I, I don't see them investing in DK Metcalf JSN and Noah Fant like um obviously Lockett is probably gone after 2023 I don't know his contract situation but you know he's getting up there in age uh, Noah Fant on the range of outcomes app actually is, is it look it looks better than you would expect. 
Um, his highest range of outcome is 15. His most frequent range of outcome is six, and with his second most being nine. So, I mean, I, you, you, I, and everyone else would take, you know, tight end 26 being nine PPR points per game. Every day of the week, because that usually means that there's going to be 10s, 12s, and 13s sprinkled in. Um, the, the, the Seahawks have an out on Tyler Lockett following this season. I would imagine they take it. Uh, that, that to me seems obvious. It's still a, it's still a decent cap number uh, that, that they're going to be dropping, but he's going to be 31 before right, pretty much right at the start of the season this year. Um, whereas, you know, Noah, Noah fans, it's, you, you, you kind of in this NFL need to either have a, the strongest running attack, which they seem postured to do. I, I'm not going to argue that. Or you need to have weapons. Noah Fant will be will be 26. He's 25 currently. He's an unrestricted free agent after the season. Uh, that's probably good because I, I don't think it matters where Noah Fant goes. He's a move tight end that can play slot receiver. You don't need him to do anything else, and he can he can pick and choose where he wants to go. Anybody that's looking for a big body that is going to be able to catch 60 or 70 balls and be a safety valve for your quarterback, he, he's going to he's going to have 15 teams looking for his services. And it's not just us who agrees that Noah Fant's a huge value. Looking at the road of his position rank, they have him at 20, a discrepancy of, of nine from between 20 Crazy. at ranking, 29 at uh, ADP. Definitely a huge value. And like I said, I think that the biggest, like, yes, you're drafting Fant to potentially be like your tight end two in 2023, but the big like potential payoff with Noah Fant is if he goes elsewhere, especially maybe a, a, a pass heavy attack, or someone that has a little, little bit less weapons, like he can vault up to tight end like 12 very quickly, even higher. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason he can't be a 70 and 708 for somebody. Seattle, even. Yeah, you know, it, it's going to it's gonna require Gino to be, you know, uh, to career it again. But, it, I mean, the, 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 the potential is there. I think Fant, uh, you know, at, at 25 years old, could be a future play picking up now. If you can get him at tight end 25 or later for value, uh, that that to me is just going to be free because he very easily could move into the top 15 after a couple of, of just nice weeks. I mean, it have to be crazy weeks, just a couple of tight end one weeks. All right, speaking of cheat buys, our next topic is going to be something that I'm a bit surprised by. You know, so often we have the rookie tight ends and we, we buy them and then, then we want to sell them after mediocre or non-existent rookie seasons. But... Trey McBride and Jelani Woods are both significantly cheaper in 2023 than they were in 2022. And their rookie seasons didn't show anything to indicate that they should be, have lost value. Like Oconquo, uh, you know, vaulted up the rankings, but I don't understand the pricing of Trey McBride at tight end 21 and uh, Jelani Woods at tight end 26. Well, the thing too with McBride is we knew it wasn't going to be good for McBride and, and not necessarily that, it, you know, the the production the playing time whatever uh i mean he still had like 40 targets on the season uh that you know when Ertz was healthy was always going to be Ertz. they didn't have kyler they you know hollywood brown and and deandre hopkins and what a mess this team is and and was and has been why not feature trey mcbride early and often you know if hollywood brown's going to be your one why not just go crazy with Trey McBride as your two? He had 40 targets, caught 30 of them for 265. The touchdowns weren't there, they, and they probably won't be until 
everything gets figured out in Arizona, uh, which probably is going to take some time, to be fair. But he's got free upside, you know, going going tight end 16 uh, or, or I think in that range. Yeah, 16 with, um, uh, you know, the RB position rank at 11. So, again, there's a little bit of a discrepancy. I probably wouldn't have him as high as 11 or 12. Uh, I think 16 is probably the sweet spot. And honestly, once you get into that value range, the true value of that is is a lot less than it, it probably should be just because, you know, tight ends. But uh, I think Trey McBride is going to be in that bucket with your Sam Laportas, your Chigo Conquos. Uh, I, for whatever reason, I, see, I'm not taking Greg Dulcich over him. I, I never would take Dulcich over Trey McBride at this stage. Yeah, and I think that the only, for me, like as a Trey McBride fan, enthusiast, whatever you want to call it, my only detractor is the fact that he doesn't have a quarterback in 2023. But guess what? In 2024, his quarterback is either going to be Caleb Williams or Kyler Murray. Those are, the, those are the two options. And guess what? I'll take either of those guys as my quarterback for my tight end, especially a tight end that you're you know selecting as your tight end too with Trey McBride. And then Jelani Woods, he has that quarterback upgrade in 2023 with Anthony Richardson vastly, vastly better than 2022 Matt Ryan. So, yeah, I – you know, it takes some time for Richardson to, to develop the, at the quarterback position as a passer, but it's not like the, the, the Colts have a bevy of weapons. They have, you know, Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman and Jelani Woods. And Jelani Woods is one of the most athletic tight ends that we've seen in recent memory. Show. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm screaming buying McBride and, and Woods much more so than, than Dulcich and Oconquo. I think Woods has a chance to be the best buy of, of all tight ends on the list because of where he's ranked, because of how people feel about him for whatever reason. The guy's 6'7", 270. But it, it, I mean, it goes back to what I said about um, who, who oh, Irv, it goes back to what I said about Irv Smith. The floor with Johnny Woods is 0.0. That like he just doesn't exist. The floor, the floor is is his rookie season, and sure that wasn't much, but yeah. he he was more explosive made bigger plays than someone like Trey McBride did more than we've ever seen Greg Dulcich do. And that was in his first year in a new offense. And this offense is only getting stronger. It's getting, you gain, you gain Anthony Richardson, you gain the offensive prowess of, of, of the, the coordinators and the offensive head coach, the offensive minded head coach. You still have Jonathan Taylor. Michael Pittman is, is a strong, strong wide receiver one. You know, Alec Pierce can he can be your Renfro. He can be your your you know Cooper Cup light, if you will. Um, but this offense is being built with some <laughs> some freakish players, man. Yeah, you know Anthony Richardson and Jelani Woods. Those two, you don't want to you wouldn't want to catch those two any place. Uh, you know Jonathan Taylor, arguably the best running back in the league here. Uh, this offense is going to be fun, and I think Jelani Woods has a really good chance at being part of it. At the very least, he should be featured in the red zone. I mean, the guy, like I said, the guy's six seven. His wingspan has to be like pterodactyl. Yep. All right. Let's wrap up our tight end show with our favorite thing to do: not buy tight ends. Our favorite thing to do is sell tight ends for other positions. <laughs> um, so, who are the streaming sells? I'll, I'll go through mine uh, briefly. So, Travis Kelsey, I think he's a sell because he's thirty three, going on thirty four. The guys around him are all younger, and I think aren't going to put up similar numbers, but the, the numbers aren't going to be a huge, like six, seven point drop off in my opinion. 
Um, and then the next ones are Darren Waller. I just don't see him being a huge difference maker at this point in his career with the Giants. Dan- Daniel Jones is obviously not a fantastic passer. He relies more on the running game. And then the the younger guys who I, I'm leaning on selling are Greg Dulcich. I think that this that you know we talked about early early offseason like hey I, I like the Broncos weapons because I think that Russell Wilson will bounce back. I think pricing Greg Dulcich at tight end eleven assumes that Russell Wilson has a full a full complete bounce back, which I think is you know definitely not a smart move to make. Chigo Guanquo slightly overvalued. Not I was tight end fourteen. It's kind of hard to be overvalued at tight end fourteen. But I think there's just some of the younger guys below him with Laporta, McBride, uh, McMusgrave are all guys I prefer over him. Um, yeah, so those are really the the two or three guys that I'd be selling. My screaming sells at tight position would be Kelsey, Waller, uh, Dulcich, and Oconquo. Yeah, I mean, the, the Kelsey one, I think, you know, at this stage – are you still able to get a lot for him? Yes. Is it worth if you're competing to sell to another competitor and give him the tight end one point? Probably not because that's the only person that's going to be buying Travis Kelsey. Um, so, you know, I, I think he's still going to provide enough value where you could move off and just extend your tight end points. So you, you probably wouldn't be trading off Kelsey for a different position. You'd probably trading Kelsey for, uh, Hawkinson or an Andrews, but you know, one for one, or maybe you trade him for Kittle plus, or you trade him for Goddard plus, Kincaid plus, Fryermuth plus, whatever. Uh, I think that's probably your best avenue if trading Kelsey. But at this point, he's probably on a contender, and you're probably just keeping those points for the next two years and, and riding off into the sunset with him. I think the glaring, the, the two that stand out to me more than anything else are Darren Waller and Greg Dulcich. Greg Dulcich. If you can get tight end one price for Greg Dulcich, you're smash accepting every day of the week. Um, Darren Waller, I, I get the optimism surrounding the Darren Waller signing. The the issue for me is that Giants offense isn't isn't pass catcher friendly. Uh, Saquon Barkley was their leading target getter last year with like 75, and everybody else. And again, they struggled with injuries, which I get, but. Nobody was was getting targeted regularly outside of really Saquon Barkley, who the offense ran through last year. Uh, and I would anticipate it being the same this year. Daniel Jones is not a good quarterback. Everybody can settle down. He, he, he sucks. Darren Waller can bring a big athletic body into a spot where their number one tight end last year was Daniel Bellinger. Uh, that's an, He's an upgrade to Daniel Bellinger, but... I don't think 50 targets is going to do much in in the tight end landscape of getting Waller to pay back tight end 10 overall or higher, depending on who you're asking. So Waller, to me, if if you can sell the upside on on kind of the floor points, even though I don't really think there's a high floor for Waller at all going to New, to New York, um, that would be probably your best sales pitch. Dulcich is, I just don't think he's good. Um, and there's a chance that the offense is an absolute train wreck. We would anticipate them bouncing back, but uh, who who knows? I, I just I don't see it with Dulcich. All right, so it seems like we're in agreement there. Any last tight end thoughts? An hour on tight ends, Dan. I don't know if we've ever done that before. Well, I crumpled up a sticky note before the show um, and just wrote one name on it. So it was more of a phrase. It just said Irv Smith, no matter what. So. <laughs> Alrighty, that should wrap us up for this week. Get your promo code RVRADIO2023, sports podcast, gets all the content and tools, range of outcomes app. 
the app of the, you know what? We should probably do an app of the episode. We're going to run out of apps over after like six episodes. <laughs> um, but Rotovis has tons of apps, way more than six. But, you know, you and I, we have our bread and butters. And Range of Outcomes is one of our favorites. So, uh, yep, that's our app of the day, app of the week. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next week, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Any other no. words here? No, no crossing fingers. We'll be here next week. Things, <laughs> things are normal. June sucks for me. And obviously it seemed to have sucked for you as well. Um, you said, you know, app of the week. I think one that gets, it's, it's a little bit underrated is the dynasty ADP. It's the triflex stuff. They build in so many different components to those rankings and to those standings. If you want to call it because of how it's rated, it almost looks like an actual standings list. That one's fun. It's really nice to look at. You can separate it, everything by positions and, you know, when they were drafted, where they were drafted, startups, rookies, best ball, classic, whatever you want to separate it by. It's super nice to look at. And and we were working off that all episode as well, along with your range of outcomes and, and all these different apps that we can use. But I think the the ADP app, you know, up, when it's up and running is is probably my favorite. Now, Dan, just ruin next week's app of the week. We all can right. still do this. No, I'm just <laughs> you asking the last word. I've been staring at the screen the whole time, looking at the stuff and like how fun and, uh, you know, how neat everything is. All right, that's your episode for this week. Uh-oh, Marty's not supposed to bark, and I'm not going to say the word. Kadoosh!